Good morning, everyone. Uh, let's turn to Genesis chapter 47. This morning scripture reading. Then Joseph went in and told Pharaoh and said, My father, my brothers, and my and flocks, and their herds, and all that, all that they have, have come out of the land of Canaan, and behold, they are in the land of Goshen. He took five men from among his brothers and presented them to Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to his brothers, What is your occupation? So they said to Pharaoh, Your servants are shepherds, both we and our fathers. They said to Pharaoh, We have come to sojourn in the land, for there is no pasture for your servants. Flocks, the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. Now therefore, please let your servants live in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is at your disposals. Settle your father and your brothers in the best of the land. Let them live in the land of Goshen. If you know any capable men among them, then put them in charge of my livestock. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob and presented him to Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Jacob, How many years have you lived? So Jacob said to Pharaoh, The years of the sojourning are 130. Few and unpleasant have been the years of my life, nor have they attained the years that my fathers lived during, the, uh, during their days, the, during the days of their sojourning. And Jacob, uh, and Jacob blessed, <laughs> I said Joker. <laughs> Uh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence. So Joseph settled his father and his brothers and gave them possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramesses, as Pharaoh had ordered. Joseph provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food according to their little ones. Now there was no food in the land because the famine was very severe, so the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. Joseph gathered all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the grain which they brought. And Joseph brought the, money, brought the money into Pharaoh's house. When the money was all spent in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us food, for why should we die in your presence? For our money is gone. Then Joseph said, Give up your livestock, and I will give you food for the livestock, since your money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and Joseph gave them food in exchange for their horses and the flocks and the herds and the donkeys, and he fed them with the food in exchange for all their livestock that, that year. When that year was ended, they came to him uh, the next year and said to him, We will not hide from my Lord that... Our money is spent, is all spent, and the cattle are my lord's. There's nothing left for my lord except our bodies and our lands. Why should we die for before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us our land, buy us and our land for food, and we and our land will be slaves to Pharaoh. So give us seed, so that we may live and not die, and that the land may not be desolate. So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. For every Egyptian sold his field because the famine was severe upon them. Thus the land became Pharaoh's. As for the people, he removed them to the cities from one end of Egypt's borders to the other. Only the land of the priests he did not buy, for the priests had an allotment from Pharaoh, and they lived off the allotment which Pharaoh gave them. Therefore they did not sell their land. Then Joseph said to the people, Behold, I have, I have today bought you and your land for Pharaoh. Now here is a seed for you, and you may sow the, sow the land. At the harvest you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh, and four-fifths shall be your own for seed of the field and for your food and for those of your household and as uh, food for your little ones. So they said, You have saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord and we will be Pharaoh's slaves. Joseph made it a statute concerning the land of Egypt valid to this day that Pharaoh should have the fifth. Only the land of the priests did not become Pharaoh's. Now Israel lived in the land of Egypt in Goshen, and they acquired property in it and were fruitful and become very numerous. Jacob lived in the, it lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the length of Jacob left was 147 years. When the time for Israel to die drew near, he called his son Joseph and said to him, Please, if I found favor in your sight, place now your hand under my thigh and deal with me in kindness and faithfulness. Please do not bury me in Egypt, but when I lie down with my fathers, you shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place. 
And he said, I will do as you have said. He said, Swear to me. So he swore to him. Then Israel bowed in worship at the head of the bed. Amen. Amen. I had to double check this because I thought um, uh, Israel or Jacob bowing down in worship at the head of the bed might have been a reference to his um, you know, passing away. And I, and I read that, I was like, oh, that's such a cool way to die. You know, worshiping the Lord and then your last breath. Um, but he's still alive in chapter 48, so we'll get to that later. Uh, interesting. Um, because of the famine, um, Pharaoh and Joseph is in a position to acquire uh, all the property of the land. Landowners were sold back to the Pharaoh. Uh, and then the people were uh, uh, then indebted to Pharaoh and, and, and uh, uh, indentured servants or slaves. Um, and just a commentary on this, uh, it's often that in times of severe um, uh, uh, disaster or famine uh, or national disaster that the role of the central government uh, will increase and, and play a larger role uh, in the lives of the people in this particular case. Um, they were given seed uh, to sow, and then they're required to give 20% back to uh, uh, the nation or back to the treasury. And um, I, I think in, in, in most standards, 20% uh, would be very welcome today if, if governments uh, in, in, in most developed countries um, yeah, would not would would be welcome then. You know, a lot of places like 30, 40 uh, plus percent uh, income tax and whatnot. Um, so just just a mention of that there. Um, I mentioned uh, yesterday and a couple days ago, um, uh, or I think it was two days ago, that you can take this uh, example and biblical principle uh, and apply it to your lives. That Joseph's obedience to God. Joseph's uh, 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 God-centered work ethic, that Joseph's ultimate trust in God, um, in which he, he was, you know, serving, uh, uh, you know, honoring God, righteous in his work, um, that God honored that. And even though man tried to demote him, whether it was his brothers or whether it was uh, Potiphar's house, that God, because God saw him and God saw his heart and God saw his faithfulness, that God gave him favor. And the favor that is given to God, to Joseph, um, is then recognized by the material world, uh, by even those non-believing. And so um, in verse 10, it says that Jacob blessed Pharaoh. So Joseph introduces his father, Israel, Jacob, to the Pharaoh. And if you think about this, this is quite um, incredible because remember, Pharaoh is con considered a god himself, the, 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 you know, uh, uh, the, the god of uh, uh, sun, Ra. And so for, for someone to believe that he's a god to get a blessing from another god is, is quite incredible. And it just goes to show uh, how much even the Pharaoh acknowledged the favor and the blessing that Joseph and Joseph's God had uh, uh, to the point where he, he, he himself and his kingdom uh, acquired so much favor. Um, and so the, the principle is simply this. Um, you seek the favor of man, uh, you may have it for a while, uh, but you'll lose it. 
and you seek the favor of God and God can promote and bless. Um, and I think that's applicable in the marketplace. I think that you can work in such a way without cheating, without cutting corners, uh, without saying things like this is just marketplace standards, everyone does it. You can do it unto God rightfully, no matter your industry, no matter who you're serving, no matter what uh, marketplace you're in. And, and if you absolutely believe that everything you do ultimately is to serve God and to please God, I absolutely believe that God will honor that and, and bless you. And even if you have to come to a position sometime in this year where we're between two choices and man, if I take this one and this is what everyone's doing, but maybe not, it's not right or maybe it's, it's pleasing, maybe it's taking advantage of people. And, and if I give this opportunity up, then someone might rise up ahead of me, someone might make a, a larger margins. And, the, and then the, the dilemma is, but do I submit, do I trust in God and do I obey? I would challenge you and charge you to do what is right in the sight of God. I strongly urge you and challenge you and encourage you to do that which is right in the sight of God. Uh, and, and similarly, I absolutely believe scripturally, uh, as mandated here, that you will be blessed. Um, maybe not immediately, but over time, God will see your heart. It certainly took Joseph time and tests to see and to show that he trusted God for his provision. And uh, even when he was demoted, in that demoted position, he fully gave his best. Amen? Right? So I think no matter where you are, if you put God first, uh, you know, can there be favor in prison? Right? The scripture says that Joseph endured incredible favor in prison because you never know. You know, the most menial job you do with all your heart, you never know who's going to be down there with you. You know, there's this show in, in, the, in the United States where the CEO of the company, you know, on the top floor, like a hundred floor building or, or whatever, will go down to the very bottom and, and work with the uh, 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 maintenance or work with the uh, uh, field people. And, and they'll, they'll build relationships with these, uh, uh, you know, everyday workers. Um, and then towards the end, uh, he sees who are the really you know, good and, and hearted and, and giving their best. And it's, it's just a really fun show. Uh, but you never know. I mean, Joseph's case, it was the cupbearer. Um, and eventually, it was a connection and a network. And they, you know, and, and they saw how diligent he was, how faithful he was. He had a gift. He didn't put it on the side. He used it no matter where he was. And uh, God absolutely blessed him. Um, It goes down to uh, the last few verses. They acquire a whole lot of property and land. Pharaoh gets blessed. Uh, and then it comes down to um, Joseph is now uh, getting advanced in his age. He knows, he recognizes that the time of his passing is near. Um, remember yesterday, it was an incredible step of faith. You know, we, we read it. And, and I don't know, if, if, if you could just kind of cursory read it, oh yeah, you know, Joseph, their family got reconciled, sure, invite Jacob back, and, and uh, Jacob says, okay, you know, let's move the family. Uh, but it entails so much more than that. Um, remember, Jacob has the promise of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob that God will establish them and multiply them and make them into a great nation in the promised land and so how does going back to Egypt, where in the past Abraham shouldn't have gone to Egypt or he shouldn't have sojourned or stayed there, how, how was something that wasn't okay before now is okay? How do you navigate that? I mean, as believers, 
How do you navigate something that was harmful to you or to your family, and then you feel like God is calling you back to that place? It just logically wouldn't make any sense. It wouldn't make any sense in the grand scheme of things. If, if Jacob is trying to project what God is thinking, Jacob would think this couldn't possibly be part of God's plan. So, so how do you navigate through situations and contexts and circumstances where to you it seems like God would do it this way and that yet at the same time God may be asking you to do something different? How would you navigate that? You know, those things? And I'll tell you, without personal intimacy with God, uh, um, all you'll ever do is second guess what you think God would say. Without personal intimacy, without the capacity for you to explicitly hear from God, all you'll ever have is what I think God will say. Does that make sense? Right? And if Jacob said, well, I think God is saying because of the promises in the past and because of my history and because of my experiences, I think based off of what God, that God would want me. And, and I'm sorry, but that's not enough. Jacob had to hear from God. He had to hear from God. He had to hear God say, go back. It's going to be okay because I'm going to bring you back. I mean, that type of navigation, stopping on a dime, 180, turning, uh, uh, has to come from God. There are accounts in scriptures where God will command his, his army or his military, his people to attack in a certain way, give them success. Then the same uh, uh, army, you, you know, uh, 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 times later will come back and, and, and recap. And instead of going the direct same way that they had gone before, God will give them another instruction to come about a different way and to bring victory. And so I think a lot of that has to do with God's desire that we would depend on Him. That God has given you success. That God has given you favor. That we wouldn't become reliant on a formula. That we wouldn't become reliant on this is how God did it last time. So if I just do it the way God did it last time, then God will give me favor. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We have to break out of this formulaic, do it like this or do it like he did it, and instead pursue after God. I heard this quote yesterday. I thought it was really profound. Um, don't mistake. Don't mistake service to God with intimacy with God. Okay, do not make the mistake of service to God, equating service to God. I mean, you could be doing a hundred more times service to God in the church, and yet our intimacy with God could be lacking. And, and, and somehow in our mind, we would, we would settle for the idea that serving God is, is the equivalent or of same value as of intimacy with God, and absolutely not. Uh, uh, you know, Martha and Mary. Uh, absolutely, we need people to serve. Absolutely, we need volunteers. I'm not saying uh, uh, have intimacy with God only and don't serve. Uh, you know, all spiritual, all emotions, just you and God. You know, we're part of the community. What I'm saying is everyone needs to serve. Everyone needs to commit. Everyone needs to, you know, all hands on deck. You know, we're a growing church. We're a young church. Oh, we have a lot of big decisions and a lot of moves. We need all hands on deck. We, we need people to to sow and to be vested. Um, what I'm saying is, at the same time, uh, don't lose out on your intimacy with the Lord. Uh, that'll lead to burnout. Uh, that'll lead to uh, 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 
just you know being hindered, being discouraged. Um, and so we have to focus on uh, intimacy with God. And so Jacob is in a position where something in his flesh and past context and knowledge of God may tell him it's not the right way. It's very simple. How do we navigate? We seek to hear the voice of God. We have to cultivate a personal, intimate relationship. You cannot rely on your pastor. You cannot rely on your house church leaders. You can't rely on podcasts. You yourself have to have a personal, intimate seeking where God speaks to you through the scriptures. God speaks to you in, in prayer. And that's how you would navigate situations where on the outside and visually and it kind of feels like it fits and there's a gut feeling. Uh, uh, you know, Jacob absolutely needed to hear from God to move forward. Amen? He tells his son Joseph that even when I pass, because I know the promises of God, even though God has brought us here for a season to multiply us, to equip us, uh, and, and we all know the story coming in Exodus, uh, God would have to go through great measures uh, to bring Israel out. And what I think is interesting, and, I, and I'll do a little more study on this, and, uh, but I want to propose this idea that God promises to bring Jacob to Egypt for a season because of the famine, maybe to separate them culturally so, so there's no uh, uh, watering down or, or intermarrying because Egyptians won't marry uh, Hebrew. Um, and then God promises that I'll bring you back to the promised land. And, and, and for all, you know, and you, you can correct me, I mean, not, not here, correct me later. Um, but God delivers Israel out of Egypt eventually to uh, uh, in the wilderness and into the promised land. And, uh, and I have to look through this a little more thoroughly, but I, I, I can't take account. I know that they were severely punished. I know that they were severely worked. I know they had to make uh, uh, bricks with less heat and straw thing, materials. Like, but I don't recall from scriptures loss of life, you know, a difficulty and strain of life. And, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll look into that a little bit more thoroughly. But if that's the case, I mean, incredible, God's provision. He says, I'll take you there and I'll bring you back. Right? So they certainly do endure a difficulty and whatnot, uh, but God will eventually bring the whole of Israel out of Exodus. Uh, but Jacob here says, because he absolutely believes the promise that God had given to Abraham, Isaac, and to him and to his family, that they will have their own, uh, 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 that they will multiply, that they will be their own nation. In faith, Jacob, no matter how good it was, uh, uh, in Canaan, no matter how good it is here, no matter all the blessings and the spoils of Egypt, no matter how comfortable it was, he was determined that this was not his home. Now think about that type of mentality. I think it's very applicable for us. That no matter how blessed we are, no matter how much success God gives you, no matter what resources, no matter the spoils of Southeast Asia or wherever you, your home is, or, that we are determined that we will not get too comfortable. That we will determine that uh, property, estates, whatever, our future kids, that this is not our final destination. We do not put all our eggs in one basket. This is not it. And, and, and Jacob... Uh, is, a, is a great picture of that. Coming from famine to, to plenty and favor, and yet he was determined to go back to the place 
of meeting or promise with God. And, and I think all believers, um, I, I just don't know. I just don't know how anyone would, would genuinely be a follower of Christ and truly be able to say before God now in faith, because we see in part, uh, without maintaining and having this eternal perspective. If you fail to have or keep this eternal perspective, that 80 years to 100 life, uh, years here is, is nothing in comparison to the infinite and eternity with God, um, your, your, your capacity, your valuation, what you value in life versus what God is asking you to trust in Him, you're just going to have a hard time. You have to have this eternal perspective. Jacob has this even multi-generational future perspective that this is not our home. And as believers, I want to encourage and challenge you, go with the blessings that God has given you, your talents, your education, your resources, your, your network, your families, all that. Be a blessing. God has blessed you. Be a blessing. Expand and grow and, 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 and uh, uh, expand your influence and expand your capacities and, and marketplace. Absolute prayer blessing in, in all your roles and industries and, and that you would excel and rise up to the highest positions of authority and influence within your, within your industry. But so that God will be glorified. And that we wouldn't get too comfortable with uh, uh, all the spoils of, of Egypt. Um, I'll close with this one last thought. Um, this idea of unity, I, I've been kind of uh, thinking about it. And, um, uh, you know, we'll say things like, you know, we have to be unified. You know, uh, uh, missions team, we have to have unity. Or, or a board or, or, or house church ministry or vision, we have to have unity. Just, just thinking about that a little bit. And, um, you know, what, what does it mean to have unity in the church? Uh, what does it mean to have unity on a team? And I was thinking, um, yes, we strive for unity. But I was thinking of Joseph's case. And in particular, his brothers, you could say, to a degree, had unity. Right? But they had unity. Uh, they had unity, but not just for the sake of unity. Is what, is, I guess is what I'm saying. They had unity but for the wrong cause. They were all in alignment that they didn't like Joseph. One of them maybe thought they shouldn't, but at the end of the day, he didn't really stop it. And so they were all pretty much in alignment against Joseph. And, and I thought, well, that's not, that's unity, but that's not really unity. And I, and I wondered, I, I thought to myself, that sometimes can we fall into that same trap uh, 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 for the sake of unity, but compromising maybe direction, right? For the sake of unity, but compromising a direct mandate of God. Um, and so, not getting into all details, but you know, we're not a, we're not a democracy. We don't we, we don't have a, a members vote. A majority vote does not make right. There are a handful of, uh, of five or six spiritual leaders, and obviously, we have relationships with people. We hear their heart, what they're praying. IP. It, it's a it's a complex. Well, not it's not even complex. Simple relationship of people hearing after God, seeking counsel, uh, uh, and then going in the direction um, that we feel God is leading. And that's actually a biblical model in the Old Testament. Kings, priests, and prophets. Uh, in the New Testament, or at least in modern-day church, in our in our polity or, or, or governance models, uh, we rely heavily on, on leaders in the church, uh, key leaders in the church from hearing from God. The pastor lays out the vision. Uh, other people pray, get some soundboard, and then and then we go in that direction. But it is heavily uh, a leadership-based direction uh, with uh, boundaries, checks, and balances. Um, but unity, uh, when I think about it in, in the case of Joseph and, and how 
when they had betrayed Joseph, I mean, just think, think of this for a second. The father figure, Jacob, uh, favored Joseph and blessed him. Now, we know in hindsight that this blessing for Joseph is not for himself. Maybe, maybe early on it was conveyed, and that's why his brothers got you know, angry, that it was for himself. But ultimately, we know that this blessing for him was ultimately to save and bless their family, all the people of Israel, and even the nations beyond. Um, and so, there's this moment where God speaks, but we don't see it. And so, in that moment, we have to trust and believe that God has a reason. In essence, we have to die to our own vision... And submit to and subscribe and come in alignment with, with God's vision. So unity, therefore, isn't, you know, ten brothers saying, yeah, we're all in agreement. Let's, let's get rid of Joseph. Unity, actually, if, if I'm going to take a biblical scriptural definition of it, unity is basically submitting and seeing the heart of the Father. Being unified around what the Father wants. This is the Father's will, so I'll submit my will to the Father's will. And when ten or a hundred or a thousand people do that... That's unity. Unity is not just unity for the sake of unity. Unity is being unified for the vision of the Father, of the heart of the Father. What is the Father doing? What is the heart of the Father? What is His desire? If He wants to bless Joseph, then He wants to bless Joseph. You know, if, if they were sons of the house uh, 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 and truly carried the Father's heart, which they later would, they would have submitted to the Father, even though they didn't understand it, even if they thought it was unfair, and they would have served and blessed Joseph. And then later, in hindsight, the narrative would have been very different. It said, oh, I totally didn't get it then, but I trusted God, but I get it now. God, you're so good. Right? Instead, they are not in alignment with the Father's heart. The Father has obviously blessed him, and it brings him joy. The other sons should have seen that what, what, what the desire of the father's heart was. And in so doing, come in alignment and then have served and blessed as well. You guys follow what I'm saying? And so it's later, reconciliation, healing, when, when the brothers do see the father's heart. Right? When they do see how much he loved Jacob. When they, when they do see how much he loves Benjamin. That they're then willing to put themselves on the line uh, because they see the father's heart, the father's concern. They're, they're, they're effectively and truly sons of the house. They have the vision of the Father. And so I think that's very applicable uh, 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 you know, for ministries, for churches, um, you know, to catch, uh, uh, you know, quite honestly, you know, I have nothing to gain. Um, my, my heart and desire is, is for you guys to encounter God. I've laid out a vision about being grounded. I've laid out a vision about getting our foundations right with God. I've even made a charge uh, to travel less for work, to travel less for uh, leisure, and, and all that. And, and this isn't out of a vacuum. You know, Pastor Matt was telling me yesterday uh, uh, that one of the uh, largest or one of the larger uh, uh, VBS curriculum materials that we're using, you know what their theme is? It's, um, um, it's called Anchored. These curriculums don't come out of a vacuum. They don't plan it a month before 2020. They're, they're, there's themes and cycles, and there's... there's you know, ministry leaders and children. And there's another uh, 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 conference that they're looking at in the, in the, in the United States, I think it was, uh, for CM, and the, and the conference theme is rooted. So we're, we're, you know, being grounded in Christ, anchored, rooted. You know, I, I think, you know, we're in alignment with the heart of God. I, I think God is doing something, speaking to our church. Um, and so my challenge and charge to you then really is to come into alignment 
Maybe not with, you know, I, I would charge you with your pastor and with your, your spiritual leaders, but I believe this is a mandate by God and to come in alignment and get grounded this year and really get grounded in the Word and really, really focus on your relationships at home, uh, focus on your relationships at church, uh, uh, on the home front, on the domestic front. If you get your foundations right, you know, we're starting off after the fast, the very first thing we're doing to get grounded is getting right into the scriptures. And we're going to the book study of James. And, and, and so we're going to spend this whole year, uh, uh, you know, grounded sounds like you're being held back. You know, another way to look at it is upgraded, right? In 2020, you're putting yourself down for, for being grounded in maintenance so that God can upgrade you so that in 2021 and for the next decade, man, God's going to take you to, to, to newer heights. Amen? Amen? So all to say, uh, uh, submit right, to the vision of the church to where God is leading, uh, uh, to the heart of the Father, our God, that has been conveyed through the leadership of the church. And I believe that if we do that unified together for this vision for 2020, that you will absolutely be blessed. Amen? 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 Yes. All right, let's bow our heads. Uh, let's invite the worship team up. God has a promise for you that you were prayed over, that you asked God and you felt like God said okay, that you read the scriptures and you felt in, in your heart of hearts that God had spoken these things over you. There are things you're contending for and praying for. Scriptural blessings. And somehow you've found a detour. Somehow you find your place yourself in a place that you hadn't expected. Somehow it seems like God is taking backtracking or detouring and you don't really get how it fits together. I just want to encourage you this morning that the God who brought you there will lead you all the way through. That He will bring you to the other side. That this is a promise of God. That we can trust God in His provision. That we can trust God that He will walk with us in the fire. And that the onus or that the key is that even if we're going into the dark, even if we're going into the fire, if that if the Lord is there with us, if He's walking with us, then we know we're going to be okay. So if you're in this season, or you feel like you've been there for a while, my encouragement to you, as difficult as it is, is not to look for a doorway out, but to look for Christ in that place. I know that sounds so counterintuitive, but if I can encourage you and challenge you in that, in that season or context or place, that instead of looking for the doorway out or the way out, that you would invite Christ or actually seek Christ in that place because He is there. He is there. And He will walk you through it. 
Let's just spend some time before the Lord this morning, and then after a moment, our worship team will lead us.